Has anyone in here grown up as a middle child? Anyone here a middle child? Okay, I'm so sorry. Yeah, and we, we, have, um, we have actually a couple of middle children uh, because we have six. So I guess if you have an even number, that many kids, you actually have a couple of uh, middle children. Uh, but, but the middle child sort of syndrome, you, you may have heard of that. And those who raise your hand, you uh, can definitely feel that. But this middle child syndrome, you get this feeling that you're kind of forgotten. You're kind of overlooked a little bit sometimes. It's kind of like your middle name. I mean... Everybody pretty much has a middle name. And it's kind of like your middle name. It's there. Uh, It gets overlooked sometimes. You know, you don't really put it on on all of the things you sign and everything. But this Easter today, I want us to look at the man in the middle who is often forgotten and overlooked in the lives of many of us. The man in the middle, as I'm talking about today, of course, is Jesus Christ. How is Jesus the man in the middle? We find Jesus in the middle throughout Scripture. We discover a certain attribute about the man in the middle in each example we will look at today. So if you have your copy of God's Word, whether printed or digital, you can, uh, we're going to look at Mark. Now, we're going to be looking at a few scriptures. For those of you who may not have your copy of God's Word, we're going to have it on the screen. You're watching online, we're going to have it on the screen as well. But we're going to be in several different passages. First, we're going to look at Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 39, okay? So Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 39. And, um, and this right here is um, part of the Gospels. So it's in the New Testament. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, the Gospels are basically um, a, a story about Jesus' life through the eyes of different people uh, who walked with them and then uh, some who, who heard stories and got first accounts of uh, people walking with Jesus. And so if you look at Mark chapter 4, verse 34 through 39, it says this. That day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. You may have be familiar with that story. It may be the first time you've, you've, you've read this or, or heard of this. But we see this passage in, in, in that Jesus is in the middle of the storm. He's in the middle of the storm. And I would say he, he's in the middle of our storms. We do not have to face the storms of life alone. If you've ever been through a storm, okay, whether it be a literal storm or just storms of relationship issues, health issues, finance issues, whatever it could be, whatever the storms are, Jesus wants to be right there in the middle of that. He longs to bring peace that you need while we are facing them and going through them. He knows about your storm before you know it's even coming. Do you think Jesus knew that the storm was going to come when he told the disciples to get in the boat? He said, he said, get in the boat. Of course he knew that the storm was coming. Of course he knew that that they were going to face a storm. But he led them into the boat anyway. 
because Jesus wants to go through the storm with us and be right there in the middle of your storm. And he will do the same for you. So Jesus is in the middle of our storm. We see, we see another man in the middle example in John chapter eight. In John chapter eight, verse two through 11. So if you skip on over to John chapter eight, verses two through 11, we see this, uh, this other example of this man in the middle example. We see this, at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group. He said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a, as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When, this kept on, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, <laughs> I love this, this is so awesome, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Verse eight, again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, they were, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman Still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. Imagine if the worst thing you have ever done in private was suddenly exposed for people to see. Suddenly exposed for people to see. But in this passage, Jesus shows he is the man in the middle of our shame. We've all done things that we're ashamed of. I have. We have all done things we're ashamed of. But guess what? Jesus wants to be right there in the middle of our shame. And this story, this story tells us that. Between, he's between the accusers holding rocks and the crying half-naked woman on the ground, Jesus is there standing in the middle between them. He hates this shame show that's going on right now. I can't wait to ask Jesus what he wrote in the dirt. <laughs> One of the many things I want to ask. Probably, probably won't be the first thing. When we're in heaven, what did you write in the dirt? I just want to know. But this passage proves that Jesus is not out to expose our shame. Now, convict you of sin, yes, yes, but not to expose your shame. Those people in your life accusing you or drawing attention to past mistakes will have to get past Jesus first if he is truly in the middle. If you allow him to be the man in the middle. Are you still feeling those attacks? It could be. Maybe you haven't invited Jesus to be the man in the middle, in the middle of our shame. So Jesus is in the middle of a storm. He's in the middle of our shame. And we see another man in the middle example in Luke chapter 23. In Luke chapter 23, we see this. And it's verse 32 through 33. 
Luke chapter 23, verse 32. He says this, two other men, and this is describing the, the crucifixion scene, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. So you have this crucifixion scene. You've probably seen this, be, this, this sort of portrayed before in paintings or graphics. Do we have three crosses? That's why you have three crosses. You have two criminals on either side of Jesus, and Jesus is the man in the middle. Skip up down to verse 39. Same chapter, verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked the other criminal. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. And then this criminal, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. In this passage, we see Jesus hanging in the middle of our sin. He's in the middle of our sin. He's literally hanging between two sinful men, two criminals. Jesus also is hanging in the middle of our sins of mankind. We see this, you don't have to turn this, but in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he says, He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Can I tell you something? <laughs> Jesus knows about your sin. Jesus knows about my sin. Jesus knows about our sins. And yet, he still loves us. Isn't that amazing? And yet, he still loves us. We see the proof of this love with this interaction of the two thieves. The thief who cursed Jesus did not receive any harsh words of condemnation from the man in the middle. The man who was cursing Jesus, Jesus was hanging there, may have looked at him, we don't know, but, but Jesus didn't throw any harsh words of condemnation to him. And the other thief was invited to, to join Jesus in heaven because the other thief on the cross believed I could just imagine how that must have seen on the first day in heaven for that thief. No, today you'll be with me in paradise. Can you imagine that, that thief in heaven? And, and maybe, I don't know how this works. Maybe there's a head angel there and greets him. And it says, okay, how did you get here? <laughs> uh, did you grow up going to church every Sunday? Well, no, not really. Did, did you help feed the poor? No, I actually, I actually stole from them. <laughs> okay, were you kind to others? No, not really. Okay, so it all went down like this. I recognized my sin. I saw love from the one hanging next to me. And I asked him if he would just remember me. And I believed. And all I know is that the man in the middle said that I could come. The man in the middle said I could come to heaven. I can be with him. That man in the middle of your sin wants all of us to come 
Just do what the sinner said. Just do what the man on the cross said. Look to Jesus, believe in him, and just trust him. It's really that simple. Look to him, believe, and place your trust in him. So Jesus is in the middle of our storm. We're just, we're just talking about Jesus today, right? It's good. He's in the middle of our storm. He's in the middle of, of the shame. He's in the middle of the sin. He knows about our sin, but yet still loves us. Doesn't condemn us. And then he's also in the middle of our silence. This uh, passage I'm gonna, I'm gonna read is actually from a great author, Max Locato, as I read this. It's great words. Jesus is silent on Saturday. The women have anointed his body and placed it in Joseph's tomb, the one who allowed Jesus to be buried there. The cadaver of Christ is as mute as a stone which guards the tomb. He spoke a lot on Friday. He will liberate the slaves of death on Sunday. But on Saturday, Jesus is silent. He's in the grave. But so is God. He made himself heard on Friday. God did. He tore the curtains of the temple, opened the graves of the dead, rocked the earth, blocked the sun on the sky, and sacrificed the son of heaven. Earth heard much of God on Friday, but nothing on Saturday. Jesus is silent. God is silent. Saturday is silent. Easter weekend discussions, we tend to skip Saturday. We don't really talk about Saturday too much. We talk about Friday, crucifixion, he bore our sin and our shame. We talk about Sunday, he rose from the dead. But there's not much we talk about on Saturday. But don't ignore Saturday. You have them too. Silent Saturdays. The day between the struggle and the solution. Think about it. Think about it. Think about the struggle. You might be going through something right now and you don't have the solution yet. Guess what? You're in your Saturday. You're in your Saturday. The, the, between the question and the answer, between the offered prayer and the answer thereof, Saturday's silence torments us. We ask questions like, okay, is, is God angry? Did I disappoint him? God knows Jesus is in the tomb. Why doesn't he do something? Or in your case, God knows your career's in the tank, your finances are in the pit, your marriage is a mess. Why doesn't he act? What are you supposed to do? Until he acts. What are we supposed to do on this Saturday? Between the problem, solution. Some of you have been in your Saturday for a really, really long time. What are we supposed to do? You do what Jesus did. Remember, Jesus on Saturday was in the grave. You lie still. You stay silent. And you trust God. Jesus knew God would never leave him alone in the grave. 
You need to know, God will never leave you alone with your struggles. Saturdays have their purpose. They let us feel the full force of God's strength. Imagine this. Imagine, had God raised Jesus 15 minutes after his death of his son, would we have appreciated that act as much? I don't think so. Or were he to solve your problems the second they appear, would you appreciate his strength? No, we wouldn't. For his reasons, God inserts a Saturday between our Fridays and our Sundays. But know this, Jesus is in the middle of your silent Saturdays. He's right there in the middle. So Jesus is in the middle of the storm. He's in the middle of our shame. He's in the middle of our sin. He's in the middle of the silence. And one last one. We see this. Jesus is in the middle of our separation. You see, because we have chosen to go our own way, our sins have caused a separation between us and God the Father. Most of us are aware of this separation, so we try to do good things. We try to do things that are right, like good works. To work our way into heaven, we would need to be perfect. If you're perfect right now, raise your hand. Good. None of us are. We all sin and fall short of God's standard. The Bible says the penalty for our sins is death. And death, in this case, is spiritual separation from God forever. That is what eternal death means. But God does not want that to happen to any one of us. So God did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He sent Jesus to die to provide a bridge so that we could cross over into God and remove the separation. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for us. He paid in full the penalty for our sins and rose again to prove he is the savior of the world. But it is not enough just to know this fact. To cross over to God, we need to personally receive Christ by asking him to forgive us and come be the man in the middle of our lives. You may think, I'm not good enough to go to heaven. You're right. You're not. Neither am I. But because of Jesus, nothing can separate us from God's love. We see this in Romans 8, 38, Romans 8, 38, 39. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now the very part of that, last part of that verse is, is so important. Nothing can separate us from God, from the love of God, through what? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus is the man in the middle of our separation from God. He has made a bridge with his sacrifice. 
So Jesus is in the middle of our storm. He's in the middle of our shame. He's in the middle of our sin. He's in the middle of those silent Saturdays, in the middle of our silence. And he's in the middle of our separation. That's who Jesus is. And that's, that's really the gospel message and the Easter message and why he came, why he died, and why he rose again. You know, God has been with us since creation, providing for us and loving us. We see it in the Garden of Eden, Eden with Adam and Eve. Right in the middle of the garden, God planted the tree of life. Right in the middle of the garden. That was his plan all along, to bring life to us. He wants you to have abundant life. If your current existence, let's just imagine this. If your current existence could be identified as a garden, so think about your life. If your current existence could be a garden. Some, some of your gardens look really good. You know, some days my garden don't, I mean, you just, there are a lot of weeds in my garden. But imagine your existence as a garden. What do you have planted in the middle of that garden? What do you have planted in the middle of the garden? Could it be maybe in the middle of that garden? I've had this kind of tree planted in the middle of my garden. Self-reliance. Oh, I, I, I can take care of that. Self-reliance. Or what if, what if in, the, in the middle of your garden is a tree of, of, of maybe regret? Regret. Maybe some, some things that you've done in the past. Or maybe the, the, the tree in the middle of your garden is some unforgiveness or bitterness towards people. Can I tell you something? Jesus wants to be the tree of life planted in the middle of your garden. He wants to be the man in the middle. But it takes you giving him that authority. Could you just bow your heads with me just for a moment? I've shared lots of attributes of our Savior. And there, whether you're watching online or, or here live, there's a good possibility you probably have experienced things such as storms, shameful moments, definitely sin, because we all have, those silent Saturdays. Maybe you felt some separation. Maybe you're, maybe, maybe you're feeling that separation now. It's like, I just, I just don't feel close to God. Well, we could change that today. We could change that today. I want you to think about what tree is planted in the middle of your garden. And if it's anything but Jesus, we need to uproot that tree and, and put Jesus there, the tree of life. Let him be the man in the middle. So you could just pray this prayer just, just in your head, in your heart. But if you're ready for Jesus to be the man in the middle of your life, you just simply say, dear Jesus, I need you in the middle of my life. 
I'm tired of doing things on my own. I surrender it all to you. Come be Lord of my life. Take full control. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And around your seat. Now, this is for lots of different decisions. So, if you prayed that prayer or a similar prayer, you could just fill this out. And you could put, I pray to receive Christ as Savior. Or you could say, I want to receive Christ as Savior. And we could just reach out to you. Maybe you need some, some guidance on that. Or you could put a check mark, I want to be baptized. And the reason why baptism is important, baptism doesn't save us. Baptism's like my wedding ring. My wedding ring is just a symbol that an awesome, beautiful woman has my heart. It's just a symbol. I'm still married. It's just a symbol. Baptism, it's a symbol. It's an outward sign of an inward change. Outward sign of an inward change. And some of you may have been baptized before in the past, and it's like, you know, I, I just, not that you have to be baptized again, you don't, you don't have to do that, but just, just to tell others, you know, I'm ready to rededicate my life. Maybe that's something you need to put on your card. I know it's not really an option, but I'm, I'm ready to do something new, you know, or something like that. Write whatever on this card. There's room on the back. Okay, pick up another card, whatever it takes. In just a moment, uh, the ushers, we're going to uh, pass some baskets. And um, I want you to take this opportunity. Uh, the band's going to come and they're going to they're gonna sing. They're going to play one more song. And then we're going to be done. And, but what I want you to do is this. If you have that connection card that filled out all of our guests, just when that basket drops by, just put that connection card in there. And by the way, if you're a first-time guest, we have a... Uh, we have a gift for you out here in the lobby. We'd love to give that to you. Um, and if you filled out a, a decision card, just put that in the box as well, and uh, we'll, we'll reach out to you. Offering, you can put that in the box when that goes uh, there. Um, and then you can also put it in the offering box in the back. But I want this to be an opportunity for you to just tell Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> I need you to be the man in the middle. I need you to be the man in the middle. Let us know on that card, and we're going to walk with you on this. We're going to walk you through this. And so as the ushers come, they're going to go ahead and, um, and pass this out. So guys, go ahead and, and, and uh, make your way. And uh, as, as this basket uh, gets, passes by, feel free to, uh, to start singing, and you know, if you want to stand and worship. Uh, but I'm going to say a quick word of prayer, guys. You guys get set up. And then we'll, uh, we'll start passing those around. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for all that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross for us, for rising from the dead, for being the man in the middle in so many areas of our lives. And I pray, Father, that we can choose uh, you every day to make the choice for you to be the man right in the middle. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.